Why don't you lead off? You're, you're doing so good. The, the Rob Ridley clap. <laughs> hey guys, Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Here tonight with Rob, my my cohort and uh, confidant. Confidant. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, more importantly than the two of us put together is Chief uh, Joe Speranza from the Hawthorne, New Jersey Fire Department. Uh, Joe, I had to twist his arm to come in here and uh, talk with us. Um, but uh, I've known Joe for many, many years now. And uh, I'm so very happy to have you here tonight with us. It's an um, honor. We are going to hit on so many earth-shaking things. But uh, thank you. Thanks for taking time out to uh, join us tonight. Um, anyway, why don't we jump right to it? We've been talking off camera for a few minutes, and, and Rob stopped us and said we got to get going here. So let's document uh, everything we can. But uh, Remembering Your First, that's the title of what we do here on our YouTube channel, Remembering Your First. Is there a fire or your very first fire that sticks out that, that you want to share? My very first fire as chief would have been in the Golf of Properties. We had a, a transmission exchange place to catch fire. It was on New Year's Eve night, or New Year's night, I'm sorry. Cold as can be. You know what year? Uh, <laughs> it was a while ago. Uh, <laughs> years ago, yeah. Was it black and white? Black and white. <laughs> <laughs> but it came, in as, it came in as a working fire, and it yeah. was. You know, the place was going pretty good, and... Uh, it was like, wow, this is induction. You know, it's like, woof. But the probably the fire that sticks out in my head when the 41 years on the department is probably when we lost, lost a young lady yeah. on Lafayette Avenue. And it was one of the most painful things you can deal with, losing this still nine-year-old girl you know, in, a, in a fire where our guys did an unbelievable job. Yeah. In the front window, out through heavy fire conditions with her probably within three minutes. And unfortunately, we were able to save her. We had her live for a couple of days and she passed. Wow. So it was a difficult. It was a difficult time. That was a prior to becoming chief, but it was like the kickstart to things got to be improved. We got to do some fire prevention, and not that a chief wasn't doing them then, but it, we really let's push hard as we go further in life. But yeah, uh, it, it was it was a tough one. Being chief, yeah. probably we had I had a fatality dealt with uh, on Golf Road. Uh, lady was trapped on the second floor. By the time we got there, there was nothing we could do to save her. Sure, uh, but. Sure. Having a young girl die in my arms at a motor vehicle accident hit by a train, which was wow. tough. It was tough. But so you, you know, everybody thinks like, oh, it's it's no big deal. Yeah, you go through it. It's a big deal. It doesn't affect mm -hmm. you, I think. But you know, it, it, it etches in your mind, and it's it's just tough things that you go through. But you know what? It, it makes you stronger. It makes you committed. It makes me committed to the job for sure. And uh, I have a passion for the fire service. I don't know why, but I do. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I, yeah. I understand. I mean, it's a love. Yeah. It's it's very hard to put into words, but. Um, you know, just just hearing those those quick little stories. I mean, it's forty one years. Forty one years in the fire, fire service, yeah. and that's on Hawthorne. Hawthorne Fire. Yeah. Are you one of the longer? Uh, no, I am. Yeah. Running members. <laughs> okay, kind of great. But no, yeah. I mean that's a it's I'm a fantastic. I mean, it's just it's incredible. It's it's notable, and I, you know, I'm sure your guys, uh, you know, you being chief for the last eighteen years, I think uh, it's a testament to the type of fireman you are and the chief you are, and I'm sure you have incredible support. At home and at the firehouse. I have tremendous support at home, and that's really what makes you successful. On top yeah. of our elders in our department, we have a couple, unfortunately, the remaining elders uh, are the guys that are, they're the guys you talk to. They're right. the guys you get the stuff that, you know, we don't do anymore. You yeah. know, the rags over the face, we don't do that anymore. Thank God we don't do that anymore. But these were the guys, they were iron, I call them the iron horses of the fire service. Yeah. They're the ones that, that taught me. You know, standing in the doorway, get back in there and fight the fire. It's like, are you kidding me? I'm out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as a young buck, you respected them. And let me tell you, you walk the line. And you really can't do that anymore nowadays. But, you know, that big L word that we talked about before, the liability follows everything you do. Whereas years ago, common sense was a rule. 
It was yeah. common sense, you know. And the elders taught you. You listened. You paid attention. You didn't challenge them. You challenged them. You got a, you got sideswiped in the back of the head, and you yep. respected it. Right. You know, I and I, I grew up in rural Sullivan County, New York, and I remember um, there was a time where I was upstairs in the firehouse after I think a roast beef dinner or something, and I think it was Todd Newman told me like me and another kid were messing around, and he was like, "Hey, you know, get off your ass and come over here and, and move this stuff." and like I had some kind of a smart ass comment and he pretty much let me know in no uncertain terms that he would like, you know, go up one side and down the other and my mom would not have a problem with him beating the piss out of me if I needed it. And it was like that, like, hey, pay attention. It's very true. I mean, the, the elders were mentors. Not so much anymore because they're not as many as them around, unfortunately. They passed on or they've left the department, moved mm -hmm. on and retired. But it's the... It's the gender gap, the later guys that are coming into that elder state that have to really carry the ball and try and push tradition. We said it before, tradition mm -hmm. is stopped by progress. You know, you got 100 years of tradition stopped by progress. Progress is, I, I call it the kids coming out of school now, we make them book savvy. We give them a certificate. I got fire one, I'm ready to be chief. You know, well, you know, you're not. You know, windshield time is everything. Yeah. I learn every call I go on, and I've been on the chief 18 years. I learn on every call. Because mm -hmm. if I don't, then I'm not doing my job. That's the bottom line. So. Well said, Chief. Well said. And, yeah. you know, we, we've hit on uh, many occasions on all of our platforms the, these very issues. And, you know, this becomes to the forefront every time we talk about it. And you're absolutely right. You know, book smart's great. And, 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 uh, and, and there's no doubt we push college. We push that type of further education just in society and so mm -hmm. on. So, but what... What's, uh, what's being lost, and it's not just in the fire service, but it's, it's everywhere, is uh, ask a 16-year-old kid to cut his lawn. You know, tell him that there's, there's a thing called mix, right? It's not just gasoline, right? I mean, there's a mix, and, and so on. And, and it's those simple things, but what happens is I think that all translates to the firehouse, where now, more than ever, I think what we, as senior guys and the more senior guys in the firehouse, we have to understand that working with this newer generation requires us to probably be more patient mm -hmm. and to understand that we have to really go back and teach those things that might have years ago been expected of you. And, and I think there's, there's some disconnect there. I think, I think there's some uh, lack of patience on the older members part. That, that's the key word. And, and, and I think the newer uh, generation uh, maybe has a lack of patience on their part. And we have to find that common ground. And, and you know, I just, uh, a couple things you hit on before, I just, I really enjoyed hearing, you know, that you learn on every call. And I think, um, I always did this with one or two of the new kids in my firehouse. Every time we get off the rig, I go, what'd you learn? What'd you learn? I just throw it out at them, right? And then what's cool is at, over time, they get off the rig and they say, hey, Jay, you know what I just learned tonight? I'm like, what'd you learn? You know, and that to me is very cool, you know, because it, it's stuck with them and, and then they're they're keeping their eyes open and head on a swivel and and so on. But uh, I beg my officers to think outside the box every call they go on. Think outside the box because you don't know what's in the box and you want to know what's around it. Yeah. You know, you go to a minor fire. Supposedly, make sure that's his really minor fire. Look further. Yeah. You know, deliver the apparatus in a safe location. Put them in different locations. How do you want them coming in? You know, start to think outside that box. And we have quite a few officers in the department that actually do that. And that's to me is is. Something we're teaching is working, you know, and we got to keep instilling that. But for the young guy, the young kids, it's teaching tradition with pride. And if you teach them pride, yeah. tradition follows. It's kind right. of, it's, but it's hard, and you're right. Patience is a virtue, and it's hard. These kids come out of fire school, and they're ready to drive the chief's car. 
Yeah. And you know, you trim them back a little bit and you make them understand and you sit and talk with them. And if you're patient, they learn. They learn, they become better firefighters, or they move on, which ultimately may be the best way to have it. But uh, you know, we, we hate to invest in guys that aren't or guys or gals that are they're only going to do the job well. And quite frankly, I've, our female firefighters are, are fantastic. Awesome. I, I motor vehicle accident. I love to have a female in the back of the car and, you know, to help the victim. <laughs> I get it. But yeah, it's, get it. it's great because their voice is, is a lot softer than the yeah. guys is. They're, they're a lot calmer. Mm -hmm. uh, it works pretty well. But again, going back to on the new kids coming in, it's, they're so valuable. To throw them to the wolves because they're mad at them, because they're not listening to what we did years ago, is probably our fault. We gotta grab onto them, walk them by the hand, and if they're not gonna walk with you, then you, you dispatch them away. You send them on their own. But you know what? These kids can learn. They want to learn. They took that step coming aboard the fire department. You're right. That to me is something drove them there. They didn't come here because they're gonna get a job out of it. There, there are no jobs in the Northeast in fire service. It's hard to get. Yeah. And becoming a volunteer and leading into career is even harder yet. So, these kids make a step forward to the fire service. You gotta grab them by the hand and move them forward and find out what they're after, why you're doing it and help them obtain that goal. And I think if we all do that, I think we're gonna have successful firefighters in the future. Volunteerism, on another hand, I, I don't know what to say. Volunteerism in, in the entire region is a challenge. Not even it's just the region, though. I, I read an article the other day about just in college students in, in general, this generation wants to help. They wanna affect some kind of change, but they, uh, when, when it push comes to shove, they're, they're not very apt to step forward and actually take action. Um, and it's, that, that was kind of a wake up call for like reading this article. Cause I was like, wow, like, you know, we, we've thought this as a problem of the fire service, but really it's a lot, you know, it's a lot bigger than just, just us and our, and our little sphere of influence. So, so you cut nationwide. Yeah. It seems like you get the one or two guys, one or two people who come out and come look at the, who are interested in joining and they don't come back. I always want to know why didn't, why didn't you come back? What's the matter? Are they intimidated by what's there? Most are. They see that you're regimented, you have to go to school, you gotta, you got to be there on Monday nights or Tuesday nights, whatever the drill nights are, and they have to give more than 100% sometimes. They have to leave their family on Christmas Day when a fire whistle go off. Yeah. You know, as a volunteer, there's no disconnect. As a career guy, you go home, with your shift ends, and you're done, unless there's a recall, which is, you know, you're getting paid. You have a meeting extended on, you're getting paid. Volunteers are in trouble with that and we got to find a way to circumvent that and come around I, I think you know Rob Rob brings up a good issue I think volunteerism as a whole in the society today is dwindling across the board whether it's fire service coaches I know in the recreation league they're always begging people to be coaches and referees and you know all those positions on the boards and this and that and I think inherently uh, volunteerism is dwindling but the one thing that the fire service I think has going for it is that we are, as cliche as it sounds, family. So it's not like, you know, if you're a coach for your kid's little league team, you get to know the parents, you have a good time, maybe you make a friend or two out of it. And you're going to you age go, out of it, though. Right, right. <laughs> the firehouse is different. And, and to teach, um, to, to bring in the new members, like you said, you know, when they, they, the people make the effort to join, right? They have to take that leap. And then, and then it's on us. A lot of it's on, you know, they have their own responsibility, but... We have our responsibility, too, to make sure that they're treated fairly, communicated well with, right? I mean, the one thing that's not good in the fire service is communication, right? We, we're, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't. <laughs> no, I'm all kidding. Okay, right. Okay? Like, you know, that to me, I hear that all the time. It's like, 
You know, we take for granted, like I was alluding to before, we take for granted they know something already, but they don't. And they're not going to ask, right? And so you have to be able to open those lines of communication to make sure now more than ever, when, when everything is done on this and everybody's buried in this, we have to find a way to get through this. Now, whether it's using this to get through them, I don't know. Maybe that's what we're doing here at National Fire Radio. Maybe we're trying to get through to people by bringing forth the topics and the issues. I don't know. I don't, I don't know why I'm sitting here tonight, but I enjoy the brotherhood and the camaraderie, and I think that's what I enjoy about pushing this platform out there. But we have a responsibility, too, and, and I think we need to do a better job at that. Um, anyway, that's my little spiel on that. But You can't uh, just turn, turn to page to page six and, and expect them to learn it. you got to give them every right. opportunity to look and listen. Maybe they'll listen to the broadcast. Maybe they'll sit and look at YouTube. Maybe they'll watch the videos right. on flyers. That's right. What will they learn from? I don't know. But right. you know what? Give them every opportunity to grab onto and then promote some of this stuff. I, I think what you're doing here with this program is fantastic. Thank you. I think it's an opportunity for people to get a, a, a third-party perspective. Yeah. It's what's going on. So. Yeah. No, that's cool. I, I, I really to give up. That. We can't give up on volunteerism either. And we certainly want to promote volunteerism to career. We really do. I, I push mm-hmm. it. I'm proud as a peacock when a guy leaves the department. Or stays on and becomes a, a you know career fighter. Oh, same here. It's fantastic. I it's, yeah, yeah. I, I glow. Yeah, and we before. succeeded. You yeah, know, we did absolutely. That's what it comes down to. So. Absolutely, we've taken an eighteen-year-old kid or a sixteen-year-old kid, brought him up through the ranks of the volunteer service to the point that he loves the job. Or I say job for volunteer, but loves the job, but he wants to make that his full-time job. And then they go out and source those jobs. And every time a guy, you know, uh, graduates out of my department to a career job, it's like another notch on the wall. Like yeah, man. Like, we just put out another solid brother, you know, or a sister. You know, it's one thing that I've noticed in some of the, and talking with people here, just as it's an observation, I meant to say it before with, uh, with, the, with uh, the deputy chief, is that there's not a negative, con- at least I don't see a neg- negative connotation from the career departments and the volunteer departments. Like, there's pride. They get it. Like, that, you know, you, like you said, there's, there's pride. And sometimes in other areas of the country, I don't, I don't necessarily see that so much. It's like they, they almost look at it as a bad thing, you know, and uh, or people don't talk about it and they hide it. And I, I just, I, I love that one aspect of this culture here is that because it's it's ownership from where they started and then it's almost like in some, at least from talking to the people that we've had here on the program, they're kind of transferring that ownership. And now, like, yeah, now we have candidate A and he's employed here right. and, like, we're going to continue to, you know, make great things happen. There's no doubt career departments are working better than ever before volunteers. There's definitely a new marriage developing there, which is something that's unique and, and nice to see. Years ago, you're going back 25, 30 years ago, you always had the headbutts. You know, oh, we're the career guys, and you're the yeah, oh, right. you know, right. proverbial word, the whackers are here. Yeah, yeah but right, right. I don't see that anymore. I see career trick, career chiefs. I see career firefighters that are willing to grab on and say, hey, come on, guys, give us a hand. And it works out. I've seen career firefighters pick up hose and pack it on volunteer trucks. Right. It's unique, and it's something that's changing for positive. You know, it's not necessarily the, you know, always looking at the negative. Well, there's some other positives that are happening here, too. So that I'm encouraged by. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm actually, we're having a good relationship with, you know, Patterson, right. say Clifton, and their, our career guys. Yeah. There's no bumps and grinds there. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And just for everybody listening and watching, Joe is, we didn't even, I'm sorry we didn't even get into your pedigree, but yeah. uh, Joe is the chief of department of Hawthorne, which is a 100% volunteer department in Passaic County, New Jersey, and they bought up to probably one of the busier fire cities in New Jersey, Patterson. Patterson's busy. Uh, Patterson's a very busy uh, department. Joe's truck, Tower 2, goes down there quite often, 
Um, I don't know, you send that engine company down there as well? Occasionally they'll call for an engine. They recently call for an engine, but it's typically the tower goes on yeah. the second alarm. So. And that, that is, uh, you would then be the fourth due truck in their city. I think you're like the fourth due truck. Yeah. Um, and so on. So Patterson gets a lot of work. It's an old uh, mill city, uh, Silk City, USA, right? And uh, a lot of abandoned mills and, and run down. Uh, it's a tough, tough town. Um, the, the chiefs down there have been doing a good job, though. Mm-hmm. Equipment, hiring guys, uh, but they go to a lot of work. And they rely heavily on mutual aid. And so I know you guys are down there quite often. And the embracements have been great. I've also heard that their dispatchers are phenomenal. Like they're, I've heard some great dispatches. Incredible dispatches. Yeah. Perfect. No comment. Mm. So, Anyhow. Yeah. I have the problem with own dispatchers. Never mind. Yeah, I know. And, and, that's, yeah. <laughs> and I think they work hard. I, I wouldn't no, want to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. That's so. very true. But, um, yeah, and, and, you know, you hit on a few things, too. Just to, just to hit back into volunteerism, because I, I like this theme that we're going with here. And, and um, I said to my guys the other night, you know, in my own department, we've had issues with uh, the town and, and working out uh, volunteerism and trying to explain to them the amount of time that's put in. And you said that, you know, we require our members to miss Christmas and they respond and, you know, it's 24 hours a day. And you're right. We don't turn it off. Volunteer firefighters don't turn it off. We're, right. we're responsible day in, day out, around the clock. Now, whether you're available or not to respond, but your life revolves around it. I mean, all the time. And uh, and to explain that to people, and I was talking about this before with the coaches, you know, volunteer coaches, people that volunteer on boards, you know, they turn them off. They go, they coach for two hours, they get to go home, yeah. it's done. Um, we don't have that luxury. And, and I think that's why the fire service is so connected. And, you know, maybe that's why the volunteer and the career guys are getting, getting better and better at their relationship is because we're all doing the same job. And it all requires a lifestyle. We talked about it before with uh, Deputy Chief Calman from Hackensack in one of our previous podcasts that, you know, he said, you know, the job's only going to teach you so much. You have to take that personal responsibility to Guaranteed. learn more, to learn the job. You know, Nothing's given in the fire service, nor should it be. You should be earned and you should work for it. If you don't have a passion to work for it, what are you doing here? That's, mm-hmm. that's really what it comes down to. And when a young buck's come aboard, whether it be male or female, where do you want to go with this? Right. You know, and, and drive them there. Get them there. Get them going there. You know. I'd love to see the aspirations of becoming lieutenants and, and captains down the road. That means they're hungry. They want to learn more. But understanding that every call is an independent call. I know you can go to 100 car fires, and to me, they're not the same. Right. You know, so I, I hope our young people understand that. They'll learn every time. That's, that's a unique part about fire service. Every call is you're learning. It's like an EMS call. Right. You know, it's not just a headache. It could be a stroke. I mean, but they're learning something on every call, whether it can be an activated fire alarm, a nonsense call. And if we, if we embrace that and we push it into our younger members, I think the success, whether you be volunteer or career, will grow. Yeah. But we've had an upsurge in our town, and I'm, I'm happy as can be. I wish I could tell you why. In membership? Tremendous. It's awesome. Tremendous. We added, we added about 21 members in the past six months, eight months. So we have a great surge coming about. But the only thing I can think of is that we've had an unbelievable winter. Most fire departments did. We were active. We were all over town. We were out there constantly. Our right. new website's active. I truly think if fire departments don't market themselves, they're going to fail. You're right. You know, and and I I think the last couple of years I've seen this, is there a fire in you campaign in New York for volunteer recruitment? And each time I'm looking at this, I'm like, I have a fire in me. And this makes me not want to be part of it because I, I still volunteer locally and everything else. And it's like, you know, we have to find that angle. But like the traditional methods that we've employed for recruitment and retention... Like, I don't know how many times we have to keep repeating it to be mm-hmm. called insanity, but it just... It's not be, working. 
yeah, it's not working. And I think if you've if you know been out in the community and everything else, I think that's great because it's there's got to be something there. I mean, if the town looks at you positively and they like what you're doing, they're going to add people to it. Well, you should join the fire department. They're great, yeah. and it's truth. And I think we've had good luck by doing that, by being active in the, in the community. I wish you would say my leadership, but it's really not. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's us doing things. Well, as a group. It's probably a mix. No, I mean, you know, the guys got to do it too. The guys and gals no. got to follow it, and they do. So, right. you know, credit goes to. Listen, captain steers a ship. But you don't have a crew that's running a ship. It ain't gonna go. That's so true. It's the bottom line. It's yes. very true. So I, I like the fact that we're starting to market Hawthorne. You know, Hawthorne other fire departments as well. We don't care who it is. We're marketing the hell out of us by doing live burns, the live burn demonstrations, stuff like that. Going to the community rooms, and if I have to go, I go. You know, if the guy, if it's a burden on the guys, and I, I see that. Having another meeting night and having come out and do a training. Yeah. It, it, listen, they have families. I have the commitment at home that allows me to go do a lot of this stuff. I'll go to the library and talk to seniors. It's still the fire department. Right. You know, they're looking at me as the fire department. Fire department's here. It's great. Go to a preschool group. We have great turnouts for that. So I just think you build pride by giving pride. And if you give them the opportunity to build pride, they'll grow with it. And there's a lot of things we got to do as a fire service to change. we we got to stop this re recruitment and attention. Let's go to a VSAP maybe. You know, mm -hmm. maybe quarterly it's give our kids the stipends so they can pay for college. I don't know what it is. They're car yeah. payments, you know, but let's entice them to make it easier to be a firefighter. Which and, and I don't think anybody's ever actually said that before. Or I've never, I, I've, I've never, I've always heard about the time commitment and all the things that make me want to not be a firefighter, mm -hmm. but I've never heard anybody actually approach it from the angle of let's make it easier for them to be a firefighter. Why not? And, and why, yeah, exactly. Why not? Like, I know he... Mm -hmm. We just talk with, uh, with with Jeremy here and, and and some members of his department. They talk about Franklin Lakes changing as a community and it's becoming more affluent. And, and I mean, I guess the people that are building these houses, they're not who we typically see, and they're they're most likely not going to come down for the application. So what's what's their plan right. to survive right. and make it easier for people who are still there, or to get people there to to volunteer? Right. I'm a I'm a huge believer, and we've been. We've been doing this um, for quite a while now, understanding what the volunteers' needs are, right? So it's not so much, you know, everybody wants to throw, oh, we can do this, we can do that. But at the end of the day, we have to look at what's preventing volunteerism in your community. If it's an affluent community and the people that would or want to volunteer can't afford to be in your community, we're chasing away uh, young families that maybe the guy's a plumber or a carpenter and not doesn't trade on wall street you know and that type of thing right you have to look at it. is housing an issue okay mm -hmm. housing's an issue how do we combat housing for our volunteers maybe we got to think outside of our box you know you look at you know you're down in pg county every once in a while right you've been volunteering down there for a long yeah. time they have live-in programs right and those live-in programs they understand in pg county and in other parts and uh, they do it in connecticut new york pennsylvania it doesn't happen in jersey right and, and the thing is, is that, like, these living programs, they're looking at it saying, okay, who's going to volunteer in the community that we protect? And if you look at, like, in PG, a lot of those communities are bedroom communities for Washington, D.C., or they're, they're um, tougher neighborhoods mm -hmm. where people don't volunteer, right? It's just not, it's just not something they, they do. Now, I'm summarizing, and nobody hang me for any of this. I'm, I'm just spitfiring here. The thing is, is that who's going to do it? Well... PG County was smart, right? They said, well, if we build a dorm, college kids, right? There's a lot of colleges in the area. And instead mm -hmm. of living on a college yeah. campus, 
you know, they could live here and we'll give them room and board and this and that. And, and so they looked at it, and this is just my thinking of how they did it. Mm-hmm. They looked at it and they were realistic about it. We're not going to get volunteers from the community. And if we want to remain volunteer, we have to look at how to attract volunteers here. My thing is, is this, right? Real simple. I've said this on numerous occasions. The town could invest into a capital project of putting in two bedroom apartments, right? On a town piece of property, right? And that's your volunteer status where you can, you can attract young families who could have a kid. And since it's a two bedroom, they could have an apartment. They pay minimal rent. So you create like a housing authority for the town. They pay minimal rent. And in return, they have to provide X, Y, and Z services. And then after a while, when they age out, they have a second kid, they want to move out. You've, you've gotten that young guy from 24 to 29, 30, right? And you were able to get time and have him live in a, in a, in a home that was nice. And it was affordable. You're still paying rent, but it's a reasonable rent. And, you know, we're providing what they need. They need housing. If they need housing, let's provide it. And if the program doesn't work, you know what the town does? The town sells them off to a private, uh, you know, private builder or whoever else, and off they go. They recoup all their money plus. But, you know, you have to look at what's required. You know, Franklin Lakes, the town that I'm from, we're not going to get, you're not going to get a guy that makes $500,000 a year or a million dollars a year Take the garbage out on Monday nights at the firehouse. True. He may not be able to. He may be working 12 hours a day. Well, that too. Right. Yeah. Or the fact that he doesn't. Why? Yeah. Exactly. Why? Paying taxes for that. Right. Like, and you know, and, and to, to, you know, in, in my town, and I grew up in this town and I'm very passionate about it, but the dynamics have changed a little bit. And I'm not saying it's for the worse or for the better. It's just different now. Mm-hmm. And you don't have, uh, you know, the, the sense of community doesn't revolve around the firehouse anymore where it used to. And so, you know, the fire department's now a service that's expected, not a volunteer service that they appreciate, you know? And so you have to be careful with that, but you have to look at what the volunteers need. And you're right, Rob, let's look at what the volunteers need and what makes it easier for them to volunteer and not just snowball out these programs that are like, hey, this is good, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, uh, we tried blended learning, I think, in, in New York, and I just know it didn't work because I haven't seen it ever, ever since. But it was like, the, you know, it was almost like a, you know, a whole, like, the, there was a lot of teaching that was led to the students to do on their own. And then they were just going to show up and do the practical skills stuff. And it... How'd that work out? I guess I don't think I've heard the program again. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think there's some class for it to happen, but instead it was just, it was a, well, this will make it easier. Mm-hmm. Easy's not always better. It's an evolution. If we don't follow the evolution because we don't like it, it fails. I don't like half the things we do, but I know we have no choice. You got to do it. You got to try it. And if you try it and you fail, so what? Throw it to the curb. Try again. You know, so many guys are afraid to, to try something and fail. Because, oh, you know, it's going to look bad on me. No, it's not. You keep trying. You fall, you get back. You fell off your bike when you were a kid. You got back and blew right. it again. Keep trying things until you find out what brings a niche. There's a reason why we're bringing in people. Yeah, I mean, are we lucky? Partially, yeah. You know, it's no doubt about it. But we have some of the young bucks recruiting their own, That's which awesome. is why, because they're proud of what they're doing. Yeah. So we got to feed that fire. Mm-hmm. You got to feed that fire, and unfortunately, it's hard because you get the activated fire alarms, return recorder, don't come out. You know, it's it's, you know, it, you get a windshield time on it, and unfortunately, that's where our part as chiefs, the L word follows. If I put a truck on the road, the liability is just increased tenfold. So by keeping them in a garage, they're not learning anything. It's kind of that. But we've got to find a way to encourage that yeah. when we have to do something else like that, if it makes any sense. But you've you got to make sure that the guys and gals are getting something to learn, whether it be through training, 
you know, or through fires. Right. But the ninety percent of the calls we answer are non-essential response calls. So unfortunately, which doesn't teach them anything. So you'll work around it. Work around. It. Build pride. I get a little annoyed at the town and some of the concept things that they look at. You know, what does it take to give your volunteers? I don't care who they are. You know, free pool passes. Right. Building permit passes. Right. Or permits that mm-hmm. they be. You know, why? Why not? Why not encourage? Bob, Sam, and Mike to stay in town, you know, and that's my goal, and that's something I'm pushing hard with the borough now in Hawthorne. I'm mimicking, if I can, Mawa. I think what they've done with the, you know, you put a water heater in, it's a waived fee. Why not? Yep. Why not waive it? Make we it more we waive permits in town. It's great. Yep. And why can't Recreation fees, you know, if your kids mm-hmm. want to play a sport. It's I think it's great. Yeah. It helps. Is it going to make you a firefighter? Probably not. But, but, but here's, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, but here's the kicker. Like in my town, right, we have... Uh, you know, those are for residents. We only have like seven, eight guys that are actual full-time residents in town now. Well, here's the evolution, right? I mean, we yeah. respond to other towns, yeah. right? So it's nice that the town is willing to do those things, but those aren't the issues that are going to attract, right? You're not going to attract new. I don't think you're going to attract new members with programs like that, but you certainly will take care of the existing you're members. Rewarded the members, yeah, exactly. without a doubt, hands hands down. I, I agree, one hundred percent. We're but, finding work with another department. We, we, Hawthorne works very close with Glenrock. We respond daytime, mm-hmm. Monday to Friday. We have a relationship that I haven't seen in our department in years. Right. We've incorporated them as part of us. We do a task force together on a rescue training. We evolved. We evolved to encompass them with us and us with them. And it right. seems to be merging very nicely. We do the same thing in North Hill. Right. You know, and, and Prosper, all our bordering towns, we have a great relationship with them. We have to. You know, we have to. They're our back door. They're the people that are going to save our behinds when we're in trouble. So why not embrace them and Agreed. maybe encourage them to be part of each other? And it seems to be uh, a program that works, and it's not something we invented. It's been out there for years, you know. Mm-hmm. So all thing you do is hope we continue to do that. You have your, you know, your drills get blown up from one town to six towns because you're doing it as a handshake. Right. You're doing the train work with each other. Right. You have a fireworks detail. You have ten towns there. You don't need ten towns. Right. But you do it as, you know, to build camaraderie. Without a doubt. And, and really, I, I don't know much more we have. You know, you can give a, you can give a person a hundred dollars a month, two hundred, five hundred dollars a month. If they're not going to be a firefighter, they're not going to be a firefighter. Correct. So absolutely. So yeah, and you so you just you just right. you just hit on something too that um, just to take this a little more firematic. Um, I know in our area, and you and I have been on the same firegrounds together, um, even though we're different counties, we've mm-hmm. ended up with the same jobs together over the years, um, and so on. But what's really exciting and encouraging for us and how we've developed our mutual aid over time and, and neighboring departments and so on is that. Neighboring chiefs are respected as the same as our own, as, as our own. And so that on the fire ground, if a neighboring chief arrives first, they're, they're establishing incident command and they're running incident command. We, we don't have the home mm-hmm. turf wars anymore that used to happen 20 years ago. That's correct. We don't have the headbutting. Um, my, my guys, whether junior or senior men, respect the officers of, of adjoining town and, and vice versa. And there's this mutual respect that I think has never been better. Um, and it's not just... My, you, us, everybody, and I, I think that's a testament to the fact that you know everybody understands that we re, we rely more now than ever on on your adjoining towns, what you were alluding to, and it's it's evident every day on the fire ground. There's no doubt. What I hear from a lot of towns is they have difficulty now with their council administration, which is something that's brand new. Years mm-hmm. ago, the the fire right. department asked for something. What do they need? Get it over. That's over. Uh, and I guess I think a lot of that falls in funding and liability and. and you know, incentives that you can't provide because you don't have the money for it. But I think we've combated that by us by educating the living hell out of them, by mm-hmm. bringing them educate. 
I've learned when I became chief in my early days, I walked in and asked for, I think it was for an apparatus. And I got to tell you, I think my counsel pulled my pants down in front of the town and spanked my behind. Yeah. And I left her at my tail, got to me in my legs. It came back two months later with enough knowledge banked so I wouldn't look at it in a book. And I provided stuff to them where they actually respected the fact that we did the work for them. Correct. And it seemed to work. And I think, you know, we're pretty lucky, but it's there. It's there. The difference now is that we're not as, in, we're necessarily evil. You know, that's, that's tough to, tough to take on and, my part. And that's kind of a uh, hard, uh, hard pill to swallow, especially <laughs> when you're a volunteer organization, that, you know, like you are a necessary evil, but the evil part doesn't need to be emphasized. You know, uh, and, <laughs> and it certainly doesn't, yeah. doesn't feel like that sometimes coming from the people who are supposed to be supporting us, you know. Especially. But to smooth that ice out, basically you give out permits and you give out pool passes. It makes yeah. that evil go away. It make, yeah. looks like they're looking over our shoulder to protect us. And, you know, I, I think I'm lucky. I have a pretty good you know, council administration that, that's listening and moving forward. But I think there's things they need to improve on, too, just to help us. Again, mm -hmm. that evolution changes everything. It's not just here. You can't just be re recruit retention. That's over with. Yeah. OSAP's a joke. I'm sorry. I, you're not going to. We don't even have it. Because yeah, our, our turnover rate, you're not even going to be vested by the time you get into the program. What, we have such a turnover. Yeah. What uh, you, you said before about like members coming in and finding out where they want to go and helping them get there. Like, What are you doing? Like, if, I, if, I, if I filled out the application in Hawthorne today and showed up, like, what are you doing to, uh, for me as a new member versus what happened you know, 40 years ago when you, when you got on? A newer member coming in the door us is going to interview with the assistant chief of the company, probably his officers. He's going to sit on one or two nights just to go over, are you really want to make this commitment? Again, what happens is 90% will stay. 10% will never come back. Mm -hmm. and, and that's fine. That's when we want to find out. Because right. I don't want to put an investment into a, a person that may not want to do this. Because it is a commitment. Mm -hmm. We'll continue with that for probably three to five or four months. And if they're showing up for three to four months committed, they want to be. They want to do this. Yeah. And then we start moving quickly to get them on board. But about the three-month mark, we want them to come down. We want to do everything with them. Take them out on drills. Introduce them to company meetings. Show them the responsibility level before they become a firefighter in that probationary stage. And then they understand that this commitment is no joke. It's serious. This is not literally coaching. This right. is this is. I'm going to go for you know 100 some odd hours of schooling for Fire One, and then I have to go for more. I'm going back to school for 60 hours in the next month. Why? Because if they're going to do it, why shouldn't I do it? You lead by example. I'm going right. to take Fire Ground Instructor. I have to because I need to learn to understand what our instructors go through, what our kids go through at, at the fire at the fire entry level. You know what are they going through? What are they being taught? Are they being taught right? So, you bring them aboard in that three month period. If that if that member is is starting to make this a priority, we'll move a little bit quicker. But we're trying to hold it three months because it seems to be the, the bullseye where either they're committed or they're not committed. Yeah. And at that point, we quickly get them on board. And I'd like to get them at fire school the first year. We try to. Sometimes uh, we can't, but for the most part, we've been able to do that. We like to delay fire two. It seems like that that person that wants to become fire one and fire two is after something. That may just be a certificate. I'd rather get them some windshield time. See fires, go out there, understand, learn his officers, learn the department, learn what everything's about, learn what the activated fire alarms bring, what flooding brings, what lightning strikes bring. Let's learn all that stuff first. And in the year later after they've been on, go to fire two. And then we encourage it. Right. And we like to do a lot of things in town. We like to do a lot of courses that we're running in town, have building construction courses. Uh, to me, it's not bread and butter. It's about learning what affects our community and the communities around us. And we've had good success with that. 
it's expensive. It's hard to get, you know, the, the commitment from the borough to spend $2,500 on an inspector or, or an instructor coming out of Philadelphia or something right. to go over church fires and all that. But we've been okay. Yeah. And we've had a lot of good pool talent in our officers. I have one of my assistant chiefs, and he's probably one of the best construction guys there is. Let him teach. That's what he's teaching. That's right. I have one of my assistant chiefs as a hazmat guy. You know, why not? I could steal your, your what you know, put it on a table, and everybody could learn it. And, uh, I have a good friend and a, and a chief from Nork that's retired. He had a serious house fire in town. It's been a mentor to our department, um, Chief Partridge, if he doesn't mm-hmm. mind. But yeah. Chief Partridge has been has been walking with us and saying, "Do this, do that, help you do that." Why? Because he's got windshield time. Something I can't buy. I can go to all the schools in the world. You're right. But he's mm-hmm. seen it. He's seen the trucks run over by dump trucks with people, six people in a car, crushed. It, you know, the, the horrors of firefighting and the glory of firefighting, the right. good stuff. So we try and find a balance. We also try and teach our, our young persons coming in that this is not all fun. There's going to be ugly days. There's going to be dark days. You're going to have incidents that you're not going to like. The majority of the incidents you're going to walk away saying, I did a good job here. And we try and encourage them that. Simple order radio. Great job, guys. Have a yep. good night. You know? You're absolutely right. What's it, what's it take to encourage your personnel? And that little that little glitch seems to mm-hmm. kick them, kickstart them. For the most part, we have a good retention. I do see a new thing happen where we have a couple guys that come on or a year and they go into the military, but I've noticed they come back, which to me is... That's cool. We've yeah. accomplished something. So. I, I can't complain about our retention. I'm concerned that the taxes and cost of living is going to drive people away, but we're holding on with their, you know, where, where Neil's ripped into the boards. Yeah, yeah, on, yeah. But, yeah. So, I think... Uh, encouragement is everything. Do more. Here's what we do. We go to the schools. We go this... Show them that we're part of this community in a way that yeah, nobody else in the town is. And 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 really, like <clears throat> I mean, I, I've you know been a few places, and I like where I work. We have a pretty um, robust fire prevention program, new car seat program. Like we're out in the community putting smoke detectors out there. Mm-hmm. But to hear this coming like from a volunteer department, not to say that it's it's not uh, something that you know fire prevention isn't something that volunteer departments do because they all participate in some form or another but you're really like you said you're marketing your department out there gotcha. at all of these different functions on all of these levels so it's kind of that's very very unique and it's something that you know and congratulations for doing it because a lot of people don't quite get that piece of the pie and understand why they're going to have that slice you know your fund drive everything comes from it you know yeah. if your people are happy with it, you're going to throw you a couple of bucks into your fund drive more importantly you're going to join your department Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow, this is a proud department. You want to do, something's going right here. They're going to come aboard. Do we have bumps and grinds in our department? We have five companies that are independent. Of course we do. But right. when the bell rings, I don't see any of that. I see them working for a common cause to try and help people and do things with it. And they do it pretty well. I'm proud of my people. That's great. Uh, I'm, proud of the, I'm proud of this region. Mm-hmm. I've seen fires in other towns. Like, wow, how the hell would they stop that? Just yeah. seen one recently in Fairlawn. Yeah. I think they did a tremendous stop on an outside fire and it extended. You know, I, I just... If we look past the negative to some of the positive, you'd be surprised what's out there, and it's amazing. I wrote down from my fund drive committee how many hours we actually put in, and they couldn't understand it. They never, nobody really put down a paper. When you look at it, you're there Monday night, you're, you're getting ready for the parade, you're doing it. You're putting in hundreds of hours a month. Oh, without a doubt. With no cost to the barrel besides, right. you know, a low sap program or whatever, right. you know. But, right. And that's pride. That's all it is, is pride. And if they're proud of their equipment, this is my fight with my barrel. We're not buying a toy in a fire truck. We're buying a piece of equipment that makes them proud. It doesn't need all the bells and shiny whistles on it, but it needs something to make them proud. So if they want a tinge of red in it or a tinge of black in it, God darn it, buy it for them. 
right. it doesn't matter. It makes them feel good about themselves and it builds pride. They want to put a shark on the truck. Who cares? You know, it's right. it's, it's not pride facing. performance. Exactly, and, and it's a uh, yeah, it's a, it's a concept some people don't fully grasp, and it's. But I think our chiefs, including myself, you have to carry the ball and run. You can't sit back and yeah. say, well, you guys do it. you got to run with it. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm lucky. I, I, tremendous, I have a tremendous commitment at home. My wife lets me do what I need to do. My kids are behind it. It's hard being this job. Not because I'm here, but it's hard doing this because politically you're wound into the town. They want you to do more. Uh, I get it. Big hell word follows. I, I get it. But if you do it, it seems like everybody else starts to tug along with you. Yeah. Good. What uh, we mentioned the L word, pliability, and I think every one of us that's here, and and, and all of our listeners and viewers out there can agree that there's liability has um, has stunted us. You know, in some ways it's good because we liability prevents us from putting, you know, two or three new firefighters in a in a in a, uh, a building in upstate New York and lighting it on fire and having them die and get burned. You know, like so that's a good good end of it. But then there's that. There's that what I always call the pendulum comes back the other way. Yeah, it swings hard. What what are the like how in the challenge of that liability when it swings back like do you have to pivot so you're meeting the meeting the liability but also making sure that the tough decisions as a chief is you get on scene before anybody gets out of the garage and it's nothing you and you secure them before they even get out. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of deflating the balloon. Oh, they come running to the firehouse and then we're not going anywhere. Well, why is the chief doing that? Because the liability is putting an apparatus on the road. The faster I can downscale lens in it, even on a, you know before the, the firefighters get to the garage, the better. Because it reduces the liability. I'm traveling through traffic to get to the firehouse. And then the truck gets on the road and God forbid, you know, has an incident. You can erase 100 good things, but one bad thing. And one incident, it's a black eye to the department for a long time. And it's hard to erase. It's yeah. a forgotten, of course it is. But... So that liability swings back at you. You're, you're on the difference I've noticed now is that people aren't as receptive to the fire service as they were years ago. Right. You were a hero. Now it's like I didn't call you. I right. called public service. What are you doing here? I don't want you in my house. And it's it's, it's where did that come from? You know. But you overcome it, and you yeah. teach your younger firefighters that that's part of this. Mm-hmm. Kill them with kindness. Right. Smile. Shake your hands. Listen to them. Man, we're here. You know, help you out. And it usually turns out better for you. And I've had people that have been pretty rough on us that have been sending nice donations to the department because, you know, we handled it cordially. We didn't, we didn't backlash them. We said, you know what, here's where we're here. But it, it, that's changing. And that's the liability of that. If you're turned negative on that person, it's going to black out your department. It's going to hurt. Yeah. But you got to follow, you got to merge the liability aspect into it by doing courses. You got to run the courses. You know, rules are rules. I can tell you right now, and if anybody wants to challenge me, I'd love to take them on. A volunteer department, there is no thing as black and white. It's gray. It's all gray. There are black and white, like ordinance and stuff like that, and you have to follow. Right. But some rules, you tie, and maybe I'm wrong for doing it, but kind of sway a little bit to make it work. Because you're dealing with people, people with lives, people with families. People are giving you their life for nothing. So you kind of bend a little bit with the rule. And I don't, I don't ever want to see you erase a rule. But you have to understand that sometimes that rule needs to be pushed a little bit. The intent of the law versus the letter of the law. Kind of a, and that's where the gray area really yeah. rules yeah. itself out. Yeah. And you got to be careful doing that because the liability falls back on me. Yeah. You, know, you, yeah. you didn't follow the but rules. It, but well. it comes down to that the concept that we talk about all the time here is that the common sense firefighting, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, uh, you know, yeah, there's rules. Uh, but, you know, depending on the situation, people, situation, circumstances... 
you know, we might have to we might have to veer one way or the other. And yeah, you do take on that big L word mm -hmm. on yourself if you choose to do that. You know, but it's part of life. It's well, start your car. You're very liable. You're absolutely right. I look at the, the, when problems arise in our department, I want to know the root cause. How the hell did we get here? Mm -hmm. the, never mind that Joe and Sam are fighting. How did they end up fighting? What caused them to get here? Get me the root cause. Because when you find a root cause, you may find poor leadership problems. You may have people that encourage it. And then you got to look a little bit deeper and say, hey, wait a minute. Let's solve that problem, and it all goes away. Correct. Maybe it won't, but I tell you what, it starts to affect the people that are causing the problem, and they start in a volunteer department. You have it, but it's also confronting. It. It's so, also yeah. being willing to confront the the issue. Correct. Yeah. A lot of people don't like to confront issues. Confront it positively. Correct. You know, negative kind of confrontation downright sucks. Oh, you know, you're absolutely right, but um, you know, and and I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. But you have to be able to discuss the issue, and you have to have people that are willing to listen. Correct. People have a hard time listening these days. And, uh, you know, they say they listen. And I, I'm just as guilty as everybody else, right? But but at the yeah. end of the day, you got to be willing to, you know, if there's there's two sides and then there's the middle, right? The truth, you know? And it's like, you know, you you, you have to listen. You have to be open-minded. You, you're, you're absolutely right. We're not just a fart. We're dealing with people. And I think part, though, uh, of today is people might not be dealing with people as well as they should be. Correct. And treating people fairly and passionately and, you know, how about just compassionate? You know, there's a big lack of compassion. And so, you know, you're absolutely right. As the chief or the, or the command staff, you have to look at the issues and say, okay, like, let's get to the issue. This was the, the upfront problem, but where's it stem from? And you have to be willing to confront those issues to say, maybe there's a bigger picture. If there's a leadership issue in this company, maybe we need to talk to the captain of the company or whatever, however the structure is. And so on. I mean, it's hugely important to do. There's no doubt. We could be our own worst enemy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, you're right. Pandora's box, right? We, but it's true. It's when absolutely I, true. I, I say around the firehouse uh, when when guys are getting upset and they're like, "Well, you know, I said, listen, don't be upset by this. This fire department has more more leaks than the Iraqi Navy. <laughs> so <laughs> don't true. don't really be surprised that you're hearing this." Yeah. Let's move on. You know, look it's past like, the problem. Look what you're doing. Yeah. Look what you've done. You, you go to a, a serious incident and nobody gets hurt with any luck, and you've accomplished something or you've extinguished a fire that could have been worse. Look at that. Don't look at all the nonsense that happened yesterday. Look what you did. Look how you've resolved something for somebody. Look at the family's coming up and saying, oh, thank you for being here. I mean, that's what the fire service is about. And somewhere along the line, we kind of pushed that aside because we got angry with some of the young bucks. Huh? We really did. I mean, we all fall into it. These guys think they know it all. Yeah, they do. So what? And you're right. That's so did I. Yeah. Yeah. When I first joined, right? But but you know what? But you know, I, I learned. You know, and uh, and so on. So that's why, like, I you know maybe a little bit different today. But you know, I we all were the cocky young guy. We just might have listened mm -hmm. a little more. You well, know? you were scared that the others would knock you out. Well, that's yeah. it. <laughs> you know, Joe. I wrote here just because I wanted to circle back on it. Older guys are missing, and you hit on that before, and I think that's, and I, it's not even dealing with the, the new generation, I'm just talking about firehouse culture in general, is we're finding that our older members, those 40 plus year guys that used to sit in the back of the room, maybe they're not active anymore on the rig, but they're active on the company end, they're helping out, they're always there, they're the voice of reason, they're the, the salty, you know, salty uh, Sam in the back that... Uh, you know, he's been doing this for 50 years, and, you know, he's, he saw us from a hay barn to a modernized department. You know, we're missing those guys. 
I think we are. We are. You said you are. We I mean, are. Yeah. the, the guys that would be sitting there and saying, I remember when I burned. You know, well, how did it burn? What do you mean right. you burned? You know, and they would go over to them stories would turn into trainings. They yeah. really would, you know. And I, 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 I laud the guys that dealt with, dealt with Morningstar Paisley in Hong Kong years back. The you know, chemical factory exploded with multiple fatalities. How did you guys deal with seven days of fire? We'd be crying like, oh, I'm going to go home. We're going to work. Right. And it's like, yeah. these guys didn't, they did nothing. They yeah, worked their butts off, you know, so. There's a lot to learn from the elders. Unfortunately, the elders are no longer really, there's not many left. They're starting to fade away, sadly. But, you know, the evolution, I don't know if there's been a gender gap, not a gender gap, but an age gap between elders and, I think there was. There was a long period of time where you didn't have a 10-year gap of people in between the elders and, you know, the mid-age. They move on. I love him. Remember coming aboard the fire department? That's 35, 36. I love yeah. it. Why? Because he's moving to town. He's not going to leave. He just bought a house. Yep. He's going to stay. Rooted. You know? He's got a family here. He wants yeah. to make things better. You know, hitting on what you just said, though, about the older guys, you know, some things to keep in mind is like, you know, New Jersey is a inherently very expensive place to live. Correct. And, you know, years and years ago, I remember when I was a kid in the firehouse. I've been in the fireman now for 24 years in the firehouse. And I grew up in the firehouse. I was, you know, Spent every day of my life in the firehouse. You know, my father was a fireman, my brothers, everything else. So I grew up there. And I remember all the old guys smoking pipes and cigars and playing cards. And I remember all that. And you know what happened to all those guys? They didn't want to, they didn't want to stay in New Jersey anymore. You know, a lot of them, you know, a lot of them passed, God, God rest their souls. But a lot of them now, like, they, you know, they retire from their jobs. And where they used to be a huge staple in the firehouse and in the community, they're now like... See ya. You know, we're going to Florida. We're going to go yeah. retire. We're going yeah. to go live somewhere else. And that that's detrimental to us. But, hey, God, you know, go live your next chapter of your life. You've but, given. But we're missing them. I'm There's missing. no doubt about it. You're missing the people that with 60 years plus service, 55 years plus service, yeah. that have seen things burn that will never burn. That's right. And understanding that the difficulties they had were nothing what we have now. We are lucky. We're, we're kind of luxury kings right now. We have air packs. They have air packs. You wore an impact my first years on and at a car fire. You got slapped. Hey, get over, put the fire out. Now you don't let a guy go with the truck without an air pack, and even mm -hmm. on a brush fire, you know, it's we've evolved, but they didn't have the luxury of that stuff back then. Right. And they did it, and they did it well. Yeah, and they, you know, their knowledge was tremendously gained by doing the work. So it, it's, you know, evolution follows that. Again, what do we do to encourage these guys that are coming aboard now to stay put? How do we make it easier to live in right. Jersey? Right. In Hawthorne and Bergen County, it doesn't right. matter where you are. How do we make it better? We're giving them co the clothing allowances. We're giving them low sap. We're giving them all these nice little stipends. Well, maybe the stipends are good for a guy like myself where you can put it away for a couple of years. Maybe I need it every two months. Right. Maybe I need to pay for my college books so I can stay in town. Yep. I just think the evolution has to follow what's happening to the to people. Never mind the service, to people. If they're a part of the service, they came aboard already. How do we keep them there? What can I, what in life can I make it easier for them? You know, see so, yeah, how strengths, weaknesses, um, opportunities, and um, elasticity. Don't look at me. It sounds yeah. like something you read. Yeah, no, it's the SWAT stuff, and that's uh, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And that's really what we kind of probably have to ask ourselves in in the volunteer service to our members is say like, listen. What's their strengths? What's their weaknesses? What opportunities are there for us as an organization to grow? But what what's a what's a threat to you, the individual? What would stop you from coming here, and to us as an organization? And really, I mean, that's where we find the 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 I don't want to say the recruitment and retention issue, but like 
it's going to be because like hey if some if, if like do we have any clue that four or five of our members are about to lose their jobs or right. yeah. the property taxes have gone up another 10% and they can't afford that. You know, like, and I mean, just those are some of the sure. random things that come to my mind. But sure. I encourage my officers to really get involved with the, not get involved with the family members of the fire, the firefighters, but know your firefighters mm-hmm. and know when to leave it alone. If Jeremy's got a problem at home, give him the, the space he needs. Don't break his chops. He's making only 30% of the calls. What's going on, Jeremy? Let him go. Yeah. You have to know that. Right. And you also know that it's not my business, and I'll keep them outside and just let them have some time. If our guys know that, it makes the job easier for the younger people and even the middle-aged people on the fire department. It just seems like they're, if they're part of that group and you understand that they're having difficulties sometimes at home or at work or if they're in need of something mm-hmm. else, we're here to help them. We're not here to close the door. But we don't want to pressure them, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And lastly, I tell you what, if you don't incorporate the families into the, the guys and gals that are part of the service, that's we're right. doomed. We're doomed. This is a... 9-11 happened when I was chief, and I immediately, dis- about 11 o'clock, I dispatched our department to stand by with their families at fire headquarters, their headquarters. Go to your firehouse, stand by, bring your families, because I don't know what's coming next. Right. And, and that was a dark, dark day, period. Oh, you know, but, it sure was. But it's family. It was just bringing the family in, making sure you knew who your wife or your kids were or your girlfriend was while you're out running around on a call for maybe another town to protect their facility because we got called through Rochelle Park, AT&T right. building. My family's back. We got called with Bergen County mm-hmm. to stand by for hours at the Meadowlands. Our wives, you know, girlfriends didn't know. Our husbands, mm-hmm. they didn't know, you know. So making sure they're part of that group so they have a support mechanism. And they understand the fire service then. They start to realize that, yeah, we may go out for a motor vehicle accident and be out there for four hours. We'll be out there for 15 minutes. But if they understand how it works, they start to be encompass it. They start to support their, their spouse or, or you know, their significant other a lot better. It's Agreed. a lot easier to run out the door mm-hmm. on Easter Sunday or Christmas morning going right. to a fire when they understand what you're about. And if we, we encourage that with our fire service, I think we got that knocked pretty well. But I, I, I've never, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really get to hear people, uh, especially in this area, about September 11th. But I have to say that, like, I would have never thought to, to call families yep. down in the firehouse so that they, because, like, what's the... Uh, what's going to cause the anxiety, information, and the lack thereof. And having everybody together and that support is kind of like, I mean, I don't know what that was your, your thought process, but like, like I, I was just like, like I went like, wow, that's a pretty smart move. I wouldn't. It was yeah. the most difficult thing I'll probably ever see in our life. That we, no doubt about it. Or yeah. all of us in all our lifetime. Right. It was the most brutal thing. doesn't mean it won't be the last, but mm-hmm. all I can remember is my boss called me. I was en route to actually Terrytown and he turned me around and he says, go home. I'm like, what are you talking about, John? Just go home. You're not listening to the radio. It wasn't. And he explained what was going on. And I turned the radio on. I quickly, as I'm turning down two way, you can see the column. I'm yeah, like, oh yeah. my god. I got to the office, the chief's office. No, nothing was going on. Horrifying. Turned TV on. And I tell you, tears flew. It's like, what do we do? What do I do? Am I supposed to just sit here? Mm-hmm. And then you can start getting calls from basically a mutual aid association. Just yep. stay put. And then we quickly got dispatched to Rochelle Park. And I said to myself, I said, I don't want my wife home alone, not knowing. I want everybody together. Yeah. And if we're going to stand by in quarters because we don't know what's happening, I want them all together. And that's that was the call. Bring your people together. We don't care about food. We'll pay for it. Just put your people together. And that was pretty much the premise of the most of the day until things started to... It was... Uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I, re- I remember it, like, very vividly. And we, we got called pretty quickly into it to go into the city with our rescue truck because at the time we had a mobile cascade system on the truck. 
So our mutual aid dispatched us through the city. Uh, FDNY was looking for air trucks, thinking that they were going to need large amounts of air in the city mm -hmm. because of the conditions. And uh, wild. I mean, I remember going down 208, and we come through 208 to a main highway, county highway. Uh, state highway? I don't know, state highway. State highway, yeah. State highway that comes down through, uh, like, stems from my area down, and, and as you go down, you, you can see the New York City skyline. And, uh, and then you go into Hawthorne, where Joe is, and then you, you end up at Route 4, which takes you right to the George Washington Bridge. And, I mean, coming down the skyline, I mean, just seeing it, like, right in front of you. And I saw, you know, quick story, I mean, you know, you said you... I remember I was at work. My office was in Saddlebrook, which is like 20 minutes from the city. And the, we had all had Nextel phones. Remember the Nextel? Nextel the talk? Right, <laughs> Nextel, right? So the Nextels go off. And it was like alert message. Like, World Trade Center's been hit by a plane. And I'm like, holy shit. And I'm like, I'm out of here, right? Family business, you know, whatever. I, I you know, boss. I'm like, I, I got up. Right away, my first thought was Firehouse. Right away. First thought was who was working because we have so many friends in the city. And then the second thought was, got to get to the firehouse. But before I went to the firehouse, I actually jumped on Route 80, drove up to Lakeview, which is uh, Clifton and Patterson border. You can see a great view of the city from up there. And so I'm up there and saw the second plane hit. And saw that happen. I was standing in the schoolyard, and it was crazy because I remember looking around, and all the cars were stopped on the street. City bus, like, stopped. People were, like, against the window. Like, it was crazy. It was very surreal. Jumped in my car. First thought was get to the firehouse. Drive up to the firehouse. Um, crazy thing about my department is our fire ground frequency is actually Manhattan citywide frequency with a different PL code on it. <laughs> on all of our radios, we can turn the PLs off. So you just hit a button and then you you got the city. And we're li I'm listening to it in my car from you know a 25 minute drive back to my firehouse, listening to all of the trans you know transmissions and then. Got to the firehouse and there are already fifteen guys there, and it's everybody's watching it, blaring over the radio. We're listening to, you know, we're listening to the, the to the collapse. We're hearing guys saying they're trapped underneath rigs, and I mean it was just incredible. Like you want to talk about whirlwind of emotions, and and for us, I think here, I, it just impacted us so hugely. All of our communities lost many people. Um, you know, we have a lot of bedroom communities that people work in the financial district, and you know, we lost a bunch of people from my hometown. Uh, we lost a good friend, a uh, good friend of mine, and good, solid brother who was working in the city, Dana Hannon. Um, you know, we lost him. He, he was a, a white call firefighter uh, and so on. And so, um, you know, uh, it's just crazy. Like, it was just such a surreal event, and it really impacted us hugely here. And uh, I don't know why I just went off on that tangent, but it's a yeah, story that I don't tell often. And it just... The mindset yeah. drove you to the fire. Oh, yeah. So drove, exactly drove and, and, yeah. and called my, my girlfriend at the time. And who's now my wife. And I said to her, uh, she, she was running around and she was aware of it. And I said, I'm going to the firehouse. And then I remember calling her and saying, we just got dispatched to go into the city. And she was hysterical. Mm -hmm. And I said, we're going. I said, just sit tight. You want to come down to the firehouse? Come down to the firehouse, whatever. You know, and so on. So crazy. Yeah, it was crazy a tough time. day. That was a day. That, but again, you brought yeah. people in. Firehouse was the center yeah, of, exactly. of, the, uh, of the day. Mm -hmm. So... And I guess encouraging the younger people coming aboard is that there's a need. There's a need for everything they do. At any given time, that need could become disastrous. You know, it could be and how, so important. And how important a firehouse is. 
you know firehouse is a community resource you know and if you if you have i think at times the firehouse you know the firehouse always used to be the the center of attention for any town or municipality and i think we've gotten away from that and then i think when things like that happen we become the hub again right you know the, the glimmer of hope the glimmer of good news and we have to make that building and not just the building but the the fire department and the fire service in general as that welcoming beacon not only to the town and to your residents but also to your own members. Correct. And that goes to everything that we've been talking about for the last hour and a half tonight is, you know, the firehouse has to be an open and welcoming place. Yeah, for the residents and for the people we serve, our customers, but first and foremost, our own people. We've decided to be their servant. We should be their servant. Yeah. With the pride and tradition that we've been given from elders years back. So, yeah, you know, well said, for you. young people move forward with that, they'll, they'll be proud as can be. And they'll be teaching some of the younger kids down the road, so. I think it's there. It's awesome. Very awesome. Yeah. I think what you guys are bringing forward is fantastic. I really do. I give you kudos. Thank you, Chief. I think it's Thank something you. that uh, will have a mark in the fire service for years to come. I, I hope so. I do. You know, I, I just, uh, there's such value in this and to capture, I mean, you were so kind to be here tonight and to share your story and I, I thank you. I think so many valuable things come out of this tonight. Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, it's with everybody. We sit down with all these guys and it's just like, the amount of things that come out. I sit here and I'm just so thankful that I can be a steward of this and to hopefully gather all these stories and information and get it out there and disseminate all that to everybody. But uh, thank you for your time. You know, we talk about how busy we all are. Thank you. I think yeah. you're in infancy with this thing and I think it's going to grow. How about that? Thank you, brother. I appreciate yeah. it. So. Each time it's like uh, going to an amusement park. For the first time, but not knowing how the rides work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's why I yeah. like it. Like, well, it's we're, forget, no, it's we're getting there, though. That's we're getting there. Goes, but, it's, uh, but yeah, it's good. Anyway, uh, Chief of Department Joe Speranza from the Hawthorne, New Jersey Fire Department. Thank you, Chief, for being here. My Chief, pleasure uh, being here. My honor. For Jeremy and, and Rob. Be I'm, safe, guys. Thanks for checking us out. And uh, follow our stuff. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and soon to be our iTunes account will be up. Yeah. So thanks SoundCloud. for following us, guys. SoundCloud and so yeah. on. So. Thanks for following us. We'll talk to you all soon. Be safe. Thank you.